What is up, my curious crooks? It's Chris with Tabletops and Tentacles, and this is Die Alone, a solo RPG and game podcast. This week I planned to discuss Dell from Anna Blackwell, but as I dove deeper into this map drawing, civilization building, dungeon crawl adventure, I found myself wanting a little more time to really explore the system and get used to it. I'm really enjoying myself, spoiler alert, but I really wanted to make sure that I had time to try a couple of different ways of playing the game and sort of pace myself with it before I talked about it on the podcast. So for episode five here, we are going to talk about a game I just got in from Kickstarter that I was super excited about getting, and that is Burgle Bros 2. So uh, I'm not going to be talking about any RPGs necessarily this week, but I am going to dive a little bit into the solo RPG project I'm working on, uh, those wretched kids as well. So let's dive into the show. Before we get to Burgle Bros, uh, there are a couple of Kickstarters I'm backing right now, but nothing too exciting um, as far as the solo RPG world is concerned anyway. Um, I'm backing Treasures of the Troll King from um, from Chris Bissett and Loot the Room. Very excited about this. It's a sewer crawl adventure for Merkborg, and I think it looks really cool. It's got art from uh, Yonor, and I just I think it looks fantastic. I'm really excited about this. It looks like it's adaptable for other systems, but frankly, it's the perfect adventure for Merkborg, and I've been looking for one of those so I can run a system of that. So I'm excited about that. I'm also backing into the Weird and Wild, revised and reprinted, which is a hardcover reprint of a system that Wedding Games did a while ago that's got new art, it's got a couple of updated systems and everything, and I'm unfamiliar with their previous release, but this looks phenomenal. It's got gorgeous watercolor artwork in it, it has all these cool, like, based horror things and as somebody that grew up being scared of the woods a lot more than he was of the sewers uh, this definitely suits my horror interests very well so I'm really excited about that um, that one's got about 14 days left on it in upcoming news um, one of the games we've added to our schedule probably for episode 7 ish uh, we're going to be playing Guildhaven City, which is sort of a solo hack of Gloomhaven with 50s-inspired superheroes. And it looks, it's it's going to be a pretty hefty print and play, so I may have to push it back a little bit because it uses cards and it has a book and it's a fairly involved system. And I'll be honest, I've struggled to get into Gloomhaven, so I'm hoping Guildhaven might actually be a step in that direction so I can try out Gloomhaven, but it looks really cool. I had one of our listeners, Steve, request that we checked it out, so I'm going to check it out. So that'll be coming up sometime in the next few episodes. I'm not sure exactly when right now. So in general, if you are playing Delve at all, I'm going to be adding a file to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash deeplydapper that is sort of a one inch by one inch grid that I drew and I've been printing out and using for my Delve Adventures that's just sort of the outline of the caves. And it's been really fun to use that because it adds just a little bit of atmosphere to it without having to draw 
stalactites every single room you uncover. And if you're interested in that, I'll have it on there as a free download. You can hop over to patreon.com slash deeply dapper and download it if you want to try out I like printing out a little grid on there. I've also used it on my iPad with my Apple Pencil, and that's been really fun too, to kind of do digital style with Delve. But I'll talk about that next week when I dive into that game. Um, as always, if you want to follow along with the stuff I'm playing and with the other listeners are playing in the group, we have a pretty decent little Facebook group going on right now that you can join up and talk about solo games and solo RPGs and just Sort of anything in general. It's mostly me posting pictures of me and my silly games as I'm playing. But we've got about 30 members now, so we are growing. And welcome to everybody that's joined this week. So this week on Die Alone, I played Burgle Bros 2, The Casino Capers. In this game, it's a co-op game that can also be played solo. And I have both played it with my brother on game night. And I've played three rounds of it solo now as well. I was a huge fan of the original Burgle Bros, and in it you play a group of cat burglars sneaking into an office building to hack some saves and steal some information and escape, or like steal paintings and different treasures that are locked away, and I really enjoyed it. I played it at SaltCon the first time we did the show and just loved the game. I finally picked up a copy of it, and... It's really cool as you play because you are, you really get that vibe of sneaking around in an office building. There's guards that walk a certain route and you have to stay out of their range of view. You each have different skills that help you hack terminals or pick safes and that kind of thing. And they were all really thematic. I think it did a really excellent job of conveying the theme as you played. Uh, Ryan Goldsberry did all the art for it, and it's got a very gorgeous retro theme to it. It's got kind of a 60s cartoon kick to it. I've I'm fallen in love with Goldsberry's art, and he is... And I think Burgle Bros is one of those, like, perfect amalgamations of creator, content, theme, and artist. And it worked really well. So when the second one came out, I was really into picking it up. I backed it on Kickstarter. I picked up the regular thing. I also picked up the miniatures that were available as an add-on. Went all in on this guy. I was super excited about it. In part because the theme was changing on it. And instead of burgling office buildings for stashed treasures, you're raiding a casino and it's just a straight-up heist. And I think that that theme fits it even better than the last one. Uh, Goldsberry's art's even better for it. I'm more into it because the heist stuff is more exciting to me when it's got that element of showmanship and everything to it. And I'm confident in saying that, if anything, I like Burgle Bros 2 more than Burgle Bros 1, especially as a solo play game. I feel like it has a lot more fun to it, I think it's a lot more thematic as well. So in Burgle Bros and Burgle Bros 2, you start with a casino that you don't know the floor plan of. So in some ways you're not a very well prepped thief. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's kind of neat. There's all these different tiles. They're all face down on the board. 
And as you move around the casino, you can either choose to peek at the tile adjacent to you and see what room it is, or you can just move into it and turn it over and deal with it one way or the other. A lot of the tiles also have a poker chip on top that you flip over before you walk into the tile, and that poker chip has some sort of interaction in it. It might be a mole that has information you need to get into the owner's office to hack the safe, or it might be a drunk that distracts you and pulls you to a different floor, or a salesperson that won't stop talking to you until one of the other players comes through the space and distracts her. It's a really cool element of it, and that's one of the things that I love so much about Burkle Bros 2 compared to the first one, is the, f the basic mechanics of revealing rooms, avoiding problems, and avoiding security guards is all basically there still. You're avoiding bouncers instead this time. But everything else has changed to match the casino theme. And I think that they did a beautifully elegant job of keeping the gameplay, keeping it familiar, but making it feel completely different as you play, because instead of being quiet and sneaking and subtle in this one, you're creating uh, disturbances and commotions and distracting the, the bouncer to go to the other side of the casino because of problems that you've created, and you're evading a suspicion rating and depending on what your rating is, sometimes as you walk past the front desk, you'll cause a commotion because you're too suspicious. Or not suspicious enough at one point, which is kind of strange. But I really enjoy this game. As you turn over the tiles, you reveal the layout of this casino. It's on two different floors, and the only way to get from one floor to the other is to reveal uh, escalator tiles or the monorail tiles. And like old school conference halls and stuff. Sometimes the escalators are on two completely different ends of the hall to get up and back down. So you have to do a lot of exploring. Um, I think the only time I didn't reveal all but one tile in the course of a game was when I lost horribly within a few rounds. <laughs> And I'm blaming that on wall placement. Uh, you have these little sticks that you lay down between the cards, and they keep you from going certain ways. It creates a little bit of a rat's maze that you're crawling around in, but it also gives you blind corners to hide from the bouncers from and that kind of thing, or to send them off into a winding path that will keep them out of your hair for a while. And... All of the different tiles are really great. There's a pool tile that has different pool events. There's a lounge tile that has different lounge events. And then there's a lot of other very thematic tiles, like a buffet. And anytime a bouncer walks through the buffet, you add a little cube to that square. And once it hits a certain point, a commotion happens there. And to control the bouncers, they have a deck of cards that has a location on it, and it's sort of bingo style where it's like B3, and that's where they're headed. So you can plan out your moves based around where they're going. And that adds a really cool puzzly element to it, but there's also just enough in here 
causing commotions that cause the bouncer to divert to a different location, you can't always be exactly sure where they're going to go by the time your character is actually moving. And it adds a really fun, unpredictable element to it, but it's also very thematic. The idea that the bouncer gets distracted by the drunk over in the corner and goes that way instead totally fits the theme of being a busy casino. And I absolutely love how well all of that plays together. Like the the slot room, I got stuck in the slot room by the salesperson at one point and kept causing problems because I couldn't get out of that room. And and overall, I just I found myself in love with the game. I think the game mechanics are really smooth. You have different uh, skills and equipments that you can prep on a turn and then use at any point during the game. So if your other character is off in a corner about to get snagged with his sixth suspicion marker, which will make you lose the game, you can send your raven to create a commotion somewhere and distract the guard to go off the other direction. It's really nice. It's fairly easy to learn. Each game I played took around an hour. Setup is not too excessive. You just have a couple of play mats. You shuffle the cards, lay them all face down, making sure there's certain cards on certain floors. And you pick your characters and you're basically ready to play. Um, there are nine different criminals to choose from and each one does legitimately have pretty radically different skill sets. Um, there's destructive ones and uh, safe crackers and charmers and like when I played with my brother he played uh, the the old lady that's essentially just a distraction. She just wanders around causing chaos and they all really do fit the theme of this as well. Uh, Goldsberry's re skinned all the characters so they're all wearing Vegas appropriate attire like one of them's in a uh, spangled uh, Elvis eagle outfit with the cape and everything and I'm actually looking forward to pulling this out again and playing with different characters I've played a different character every single time in the solo player mode you play two characters you play two-handed I imagine you could play more but honestly it gets a little complex when you're talking the uh, guards moving plus the characters moving plus equipping equipment and making sure you don't forget to use something when you need to. And so I think two-handed is really the extent of what you would want to play. Uh, when we played co-op with my brother, uh, we played we each played two characters then as well and it it worked, but I think next time we play, we would just each play one character because there's a lot going on, and particularly when you play with somebody else, you're doing a lot of discussion and talking about what you're doing and remembering which skill cards you have and what you can do isn't always very simple. Um, but I really enjoy the game. I think it's very well done. I think it's a step up from the first one, which is one of my favorite co-op games. But I didn't really love playing it solo, and I like playing this one solo a lot more. So in that respect in particular, I'm really excited about this. There are some downsides to it, and they are almost entirely design-related. 
and not game design, but box design. The original one came in this tiny little, well, it looks like the card boxes that like Trivial Pursuit comes in, the, the ones that have all the questions in them, and everything fits into this compact little box that's like, the size of a soda can, or, well, probably twice that, but it's a fairly small box. It's very full. It's a hefty little brick of crime. Um, the new one, in theory, what they did was a really clever idea. The box folds open, and then the top part sits on some legs, creating a second floor that sits over the top of the first floor and is very thematic and you can figure out which floor is which and everything. But in execution, <laughs> unfortunately it's kind of a mess. Uh, the legs don't really fit into the thing very well. When they're up, they're kind of wobbly. They're sitting, for me at least, they sit too low to the other floor so you can't really read what's going on or plan out where the bodyguards are going because you can't really see an overview of the floor very easily. And it just, unfortunately, it really just kind of falls apart as far as a functional box and as a functional play surface. I'm, I think the box looks so great. It's got this like, it looks like the outside of a casino and it opens from the back with these two wing flaps but that also means that it needs a sleeve that it slides into because there's no magnets locking it or anything like that. So the sleeve is kind of hard to get on the bottom and it is fairly ineffectual overall. And it's really disappointing because I honestly think that the box design and like the, the game trays things that are in it are its absolute worst feature without question. I've already pulled everything out. They're in baggies and I've just been keeping them in a separate box right now. What I may end up doing is taking the box and I don't know, reskinning it somehow or something uh, so that I can fit everything in it still but it doesn't fall open every time I pick it up. I also would have really liked to see some Lux upgrades to play on it. Uh, this, when you're tracking your suspicion, you just put tiny little cubes on a card. And I think for our game, we just grabbed some poker chips and threw poker chips on top for each uh, mark of suspicion. And it immediately jumped up the thematic aspect of it and made it feel more like you were playing something casino related. So I actually got on a website that I'll link in the description that sells these little poker chips that are basically the size of a nickel, but they still have that satisfying clay poker chip clack to them. And they're crazy cheap. It's like 50 of them for three bucks. So I picked up a couple of colors of those. And when we've played with, uh, and then when we've played Burgo Bros 2, I use these smaller poker chips for trackers and for the suspicion meter and all of that. And it, Pimping, I know I'm a total nerd for pimping things, but pimping that really did make a difference in play as well. I also found a playlist on Spotify that's all uh, old school Vegas lounge singers and music and everything. So there's definitely some ways to pimp this game out. However, as much as I love the miniatures that it came with, 
they don't really work for the game, in my opinion. They're big. They're they must be like I don't know, maybe forty millimeter scale. They're they're quite a bit bigger than the standard twenty eight, and. The regular game just comes with these cute little meeples that you put stickers on the outside of. And generally, I'm not really super into that. But I love these little guys. The The meeples look perfect on them because they have the, the little Goldsberry artwork on them. And we actually play with them laying down so you can see the character as you play. And these miniatures are, geez, three times the size of the meeples. And they become a little over-encompassing on the board to the point that it becomes more confusing as you play. Your character can't stand on the same space as one of the poker chips because they're just a little too big to be able to read what's going on on the card. And unfortunately, I'm probably not going to end up using them for anything. I'll probably paint them and keep them because they're really cool looking. Uh, but they're all sculpted to look like the Burgle Bros. 1 characters. And so they don't even really fit Burgle Bros. 2. But they're really neat. I, if you enjoy the game and you want it from an artistic standpoint, they're great. It also comes in a Fowers van, which is a flower van with the L scratched off because Tim Fowers uh, designed the game. And it looks like it's like an undercover van that they would have sitting out front for planning the heist or whatever. And so it's really nicely designed, but they don't work with the game, in my opinion. Which is unfortunate. I'm still happy I got them. I think they're really cool looking. But if they'd been scaled down to the standard 28mm, A, I could have used them in other stuff, <laughs> which is always a benefit for me. And B they wouldn't have obscured the text on the cards and made it harder to figure out everything as you're playing. So that's a little unfortunate, um, but I definitely recommend Burgle Bros 2, especially if you're a solo player that likes the heist theme and is looking for something that's a little puzzly. It's got some, some nice humor in it. Uh, the first one was definitely just one-shot-done type adventures, whereas this one has a little more of a campaign mode to it, where as you go in, uh, in the first game, there was just a safe on each floor, and you had to crack all three safes and get out. In this game, you have to find the owner's office on the main floor and send dice from the owner's office through the computer up to the safe, then you roll the, the dice to unlock the safe based off of numbers on the rooms that spread out from the safe. And you have to unlock a number for each of those to unlock the safe. And each time you roll these dice, they go back down to the owner's office. So you have to balance your characters by keeping one of them down on the other floor to send dice back up to you. If you don't, if you're like me and you're awful at rolling. And that's a really cool aspect, too, because you're not just sitting there doing the exact same thing all the time. Even once the safe is unlocked, there's more to what you're doing. And then when the safe gets unlocked, you reveal the finale card. And there are different things that happen. Like one of them, there's uh, something that you need to collect two of them somewhere out on the floor and escape with those two things. And it totally changes 
the vibe of this because it's not just oh we open the safe let's get out it's oh we open the safe now we have to do this accomplish it and get out safely and it really does add this cool like cinematic finale vibe to the game that I really appreciated so that's Burgle Bros 2 I believe uh, Tim Fowers generally just sells his games via his website but I will track down the best place to pick these up and post a link in the description and in our Facebook group and over at tabletopsandtentacles.com if you want to snag a copy. Um, I really I really recommend Burgle Bros 2, not just because it's a fun solo game, but it's also a really nice co-op game. You get some really fun atmosphere and personality as you're playing it that's, I think it's top-notch. So next week I'll be discussing Delve from Anna Blackwell, which I talked about on the last episode. But in that game you play a dwarven group that are entering a mountain to create your hold and as you dive into the mountain you can make rooms you're also uncovering rooms and creatures and natural formations and things as you play and I hadn't played it uh, last time I recorded this episode and I had no idea what I was getting myself into it's a lot more involved than I expected from a little 32 page zine you're you do a lot of there's fighting there's troop management there's a ton of different rooms to choose from when you want to build things you're managing your resources as well as trade goods and you can trade those back and forth to recruit different characters to protect different rooms in the hold and as you do it you're also drawing a map of your hold as you go and there's different like cool events like you can uncover an underground river that then floods half your rooms and runs down ladders and floods an entire floor kind of thing and uh, the rivers are a nightmare but i love them i there's such a cool other aspect to it and i've played with a bunch of different ways of playing the game but i'll discuss all that on the next episode of die alone uh, the episode after that i will be playing four against darkness which I have, I've barely opened the book to it, which is a little daunting because it is a full-on solo RPG where you're playing four characters, and it looks really cool. I'm kind of worried that it's going to be a little overwhelming for me. We'll see. I may decide to do a different solo game for next for the following week and spend a little extra time with this we'll see how it all plays out i've heard that it's very fun to play but that the rule book requires a little bit of finessing to really get used to using it while you're playing so we'll see um i think it's got uh, an extra like like some randomizers for dungeons in it um i also have an adventure so it depends on how into it i get whether i dive into the adventure as well as always you can find links to four against darkness delve burgle bros my Patreon page, and everything else we're working on at tabletopsandtentacles.com or in the description for this particular podcast. I also promise I'll talk a little bit about Those Wretched Kids, which is a solo RPG I'm working on for Kickstarter next month that is a... It's based off of the Wretched and Alone system, and it totally popped into my head while I was playing The Wretched for whatever episode that was, too. I don't remember now. Uh, <laughs> I am really excited about this. I can't promise that I won't do this every single week when I'm playing these because it's just how my brain works. One of the things I love about solo games 
is it I play them for creativity spurring and getting me to think in a different way about the things I'm making for Tabletops and Tentacles and for Deeply Dapper. And as I played The Wretched, it's a really unique system. It's incredibly flexible for creating other things. And so I started designing those Wretched Kids. And it is going to be a solo RPG where you're playing the villain in a Scooby-Doo style universe. And the, the Wretched has those four different prompts depending on what suit you get on the deck of cards. And for the, those Wretched Kids, those are going to be your overarching supervillain plan. Although in this, you're not a villain, you just misunderstood, right? Uh, so what it is you're trying to accomplish, whether that's finding treasure or building some sort of world weapon or avenging something, that's up to you to decide. Uh, the legend you've concocted to scare people away from the abandoned carnival that your plan is taking place in uh, some reflections upon yourself and the mistakes you've made in the past and those wretched kids. And so that last suit's going to be sort of the creature suit from the wretched that is menacing you and causing your tower to wobble and everything as you play. So I'm really excited about it. It is mostly written. I've started playtesting it a little bit and tweaking some of the writing prompts. Started doing a little bit of artwork for it really excited. My plan is to have it 100% written, play-tested, drawn, and formatted, ready to rock and roll before the Kickstarter launches so that I can run a little one-week Kickstarter, and as soon as the funds are in from Kickstarter, I send it out to people. I really want to try and start focusing on that method of distribution for my creations now, because I love 3 die 6 I'm having a lot of fun working on it, but I'm a little scatterbrained as far as that kind of thing is concerned, and I always want to work on the next big thing, and I have to force myself to focus on this. And if I have started creating something that is complete before I launch it, then I can just enjoy sending it to people and having them play it instead of me playing it. And so I'm really excited about that. Um, our Troika adaptation of 3 Die 6 is complete, the proof has been ordered, and the digital copies should be going out to people sometime in the next couple of days. I'm just waiting for a couple of proofreaders to get back to me. The zine version of 3 Die 6's core rules is virtually complete. I just need to run a spell check and send it to a few people to check, and then I get to dive into the big core book that's 120 pages. And I've started some of the formatting on that, just the basics. And as I wrote the zine, I was also writing the expanded core book. And basically what I've done as far as that's concerned was for everything I did, I wrote a long draft and a condensed draft. And so like even like the shimmer search tables where you're looking for mushrooms, there's a D6 table in the zine and it's like a 3D6 table in the, mag in the full core book. I think it works really well. I like the fact that somebody can pick up the zine for super cheap and play 3 die 6, or they can pick up the core book and really dive in. Regarding the solo zine, the Delve Your Own Dungeon zines, the first one is 80% written. I just have a couple more encounters I need to tweak, and 
there's one branching path that I'm not real happy with the way it lands um, as it comes back around to one of the major events of the zine. And figuring out how to cram a fulfilling and thorough RPG solo adventure in 24 to 48 pages like I promised with this has been tricky. It's been an interesting challenge, but I definitely think the third one I work on is going to be formatted slightly different and thicker as far as the story is concerned. I'm also working on The Lost City, which is an adventure about a, uh, your character solo journeying into the depths to investigate rumors of a different colony of Rowan out in the Shimmer. And that one's a little different. It's actually going to be a little bit more of a text crawl aspect to it. So you will still have the choose your own adventure vibe, but there's more of like a hex crawl based off of, oh, when you go to this building, if you've been here previously, you go to this chapter to read it. If you haven't, this is what's happening kind of thing. And I it'll give a very different experience from the egg hunt. But I hope both of them will be pretty comparable, and I'm really, I'm loving working on these, and I hope people like them as much as I have. Um, as always, like I said, you can find links to everything, including 3Dice6 if you want to pre-order it at tabletopsandtentacles.com. You can also find them in our Facebook group page at facebook.com slash groups slash alonepod. I'm also on Twitter at dialonerpg. And as always, thank you so much for listening and supporting indie creators. If you're a game designer and you have a game you'd like me to play, or if there's a solo game out there that you think I should play or that I would like, message me on social media through the contact page at tabletopsandtentacles.com, or you can send me an email at tabletopsandtentacles at gmail.com. We'll talk to you again soon, and remember, we all die alone.